Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is me, Dave Silito from Robertson Ralph. And uh, here with me uh, is, well, who have I got here with me? You've got me, Jane Rappin. And you've got me, Imogen Templeman. And who haven't we got with us today? Oh my God, drum roll. Da, 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 da. We haven't got Robbie. <laughs> we haven't got Simon Robinson, which is, um, I mean, happy news, oh listener. <laughs> You don't have to listen to to him, um, and his and his banter. So <laughs> I'm not sure the jokes will be any um, better with just the three of us, but you know we'll give it a go. I know it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure on it, isn't it? It is. But fortunately, nobody listens to the podcast, so uh, it really doesn't make much of a difference. It's it's kind of the podcast is the new. If a tree falls, it falls in the woods and doesn't make a sound. Does anybody hear it? If I tell a joke on this podcast, does it does it make it less funny or, or or more funny that nobody ever hears it? Good question. I mean, we could spend days talking around that one. Yeah. So, what are we here to talk about today? What's the exciting case that we're going to pull apart? Isn't it? Should we do some employment law this week? Given that yeah. I, I personally don't know anything about anything else, so yeah, let's go for it. Imogen. Tell us what yeah. the case is. Yeah, so this week we've got BPP University. So it was actually an employment law lecturer that this case concerns as the claimant. Um, so the remedy judgment was published for this case against BPP on the 3rd of March of this month. Um, and it's re- actually resulted in the claimant being awarded quite a significant sum of £168,047.40 uh, to be precise. The claimant actually worked for BPP until she resigned in April 2019. And then in 2013... She was an employment law lecturer, wasn't she, I think? Yes, yeah, she was right? at, at BPP, yeah, an employment law lecturer. For 10 years, she worked there. She should have won the tribunal, really, shouldn't she? If she's bringing it, she should know her stuff. Yeah, and it, it looks like she did. She'd actually disclosed to the respondent that she'd suffered from bouts of depression since 1990 so quite significant there Uh, she was diagnosed with depression and anxiety uh, shortly after experiencing uh, depression and stress related to what was described as a busy work life in 2016 Uh, she was then seconded to a new role in 2018 Um, she told a colleague um, that she was experiencing anxiety the colleague, uh, Mrs. Wagner, then told this to um, another colleague, the individual to, who, to whom the claimant reported. Uh, so Mr. Donnarumma, that was. Uh, when telling him, Mrs. Wagner said that the claimant was, uh, and she described the claimant as mad as a box of frogs, but a good worker. Um, that was then conveyed to the claimant by her line of report, her manager. So she'd worked on average... 55 to 60 hours a week um there'd even been instances where she'd cancelled her holidays that she'd had booked to complete tasks uh, then in october 2018 she took some time off on sick leave um, she told mr donnarumma that the lack of staffing within her department was really affecting her mental health um, it was affecting that and ultimately the claimant's gp signed her off as fit for only two to four hours of work per day However, um, she actually continued to work in into the evenings and at weekends. Um, 
a HR manager for the respondent for BVP. He was Mr. Shaw. He told the claimant in October 2018 that, uh, and I quote, someone her age and experience should be able to prioritise and manage their workload. Um, she had The claimant also had requested a referral to occupational health. However, the respondent, they didn't follow through on that on that request. Um, or, as alternatively, uh, Mr. Shaw, the, the HR manager there, he proposed a settlement agreement to the claimant and to re-engage her as a contractor uh, that caused further anxiety to the claimant. She then raised a grievance um, alleging a failure to make reasonable adjustments and she was then referred to occupational health in February of 2019. The occupational health report concluded that the claimant did have a depressive illness that amounted to a disability. Uh, the claimant resigned in April 2019 and filed a discrimination claim with the tribunal. Uh, one month later, she submitted a second claim of constructive unfair dismissal. The employment tribunal found that the university had knowledge of the claimant's depression and anxiety from it was deemed as April 2018, but they determined that she was not subject to less favourable treatment because of her disability so her discrimination claim did fail however the tribunal found that reasonable adjustments hadn't been made in relation to the reduction of her workload and providing support to her in terms of the grievance investigation um, it was quite interestingly described as superficial by the tribunal uh, and saying it didn't take into account the comment of, you know, she's mad as a box of frogs, which amounted for the claimant as the last straw, uh, leaving her to reside um, and, and relied upon as the last straw in her constructive unfair dismissal case. Um, she also cited that the implied term of trust and confidence had been breached and the claimant was uh, constructively and unfairly dismissed as a finding. Uh, she was ultimately awarded £168,047.40, which is obviously quite significant, and it included, amongst other things, compensation for future financial losses. Uh, that was from the date of the remedy hearing, uh, and that was of 71215 and then she was also awarded compensation for past financial losses up to the date of the remedy hearing, which was 30 thousand two hundred and forty seven pounds and seven pence so quite significant sums there and that's that's the basis of the case now i've applied my immense employment law brain to this case and thoroughly analyzed it and my overriding thought was where does the phrase mad as a box of frogs come from does anybody know no but <sighs> Crikey, I mean, we all use it. It's a bit we? harsh on frogs, isn't it? <laughs> I Googled it, and I, Go other people have wondered the same thing as me. And um, I would say that the internet doesn't really have anything that, that makes me think, oh, yeah, that definitely is where it co comes from. But a few people have speculated. Um, <laughs> and there's one guy who speculated. I heard that it's because back in the early days when boxes were made of wood, Boxes were so rare that to laden them with frogs was deemed to be a waste. <laughs> <laughs> you were mad as a bunch of frogs. <laughs> I mean, that seems to me to be quite speculative, and I don't know if he's got any um, any authority for that view. There's, a, there's another one. There's also there is also speculation. He says, I get the feeling this is speculation solely from him. Um, but the phrase originates from a group of German explorers who, whilst in the Amazon, 
attempted to collect and collate data on poisonous frogs. Obviously, they kept them in a box and it was rumoured the scientist was poisoned and went a bit loopy as the toxin wore off, hence as mad as a box of frogs. Other, other speculation is on the basis that putting frogs in a box is mad. <laughs> but that seems to me to be putting the cart before the horse in a, in a way. It must come from somewhere. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I have nothing to add. <laughs> Imogen, any any speculation as to where Mad as a Box of Frogs comes from? No, I, I wouldn't hazard a guess at, at that, but I can see where the claimant probably tried to argue it, it arose from. Oh, you're just bringing it back to employment law, are you, Imogen? <laughs> Always <laughs> wanting to talk about employment law. Have you not heard the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, go on, any, any other thoughts on the case? Yeah, I, I, you know me, I always find something to have a grumble about. Um, go on. And, and my my kind of uh, spider senses were going mad when I realised that this all ca- happens in a very short space of time. It just happens in a year from the point at which she gets this promotion. I thought it was interesting because she, she gets the promotion and starts to complain about the stress and the anxiety and the overwork. But in the background to this, um, sadly, her husband had died unexpectedly and her son had been diagnosed with a really serious illness. And I think all too often employers maybe know of background issues going on at home or in their or in an employee's private life that they may be um brushing off when people start to complain when they're at work um, yeah i don't know i don't know what the what your thoughts are sort of imogen and david but i i think giving somebody a promotion at a time when they've got a background of stress and anxiety most likely arising out of the death of the husband and the serious illness that the son's experiencing um, what kind of support might they have given her in the first 90 days or, you know, to ensure that she's doing the job that she's capable of doing? Yeah, I mean, it does seem to me that the, the employer here has hardly covered itself in glory. You know, we've got somebody complaining of stress and anxiety and, and whether that is a, um, a a disability or not, and ultimately it was here, but whether or not it's a disability, it's related, clearly arising from her work, they had knowledge of that um and it seems to me that they've done very little to yeah. to address that and to suggest that um it's her fault um in that really she should she should be able to manage her workload and she isn't um without anything more i think they would leave themselves uh, open to well they, they were asking for trouble uh, I mean, it's all well and good if somebody is saying they're struggling, they're struggling to get through their workload and there are health issues. If that is looked into uh, and having fully considered all the health issues, uh, the employer decides that presumably with occupational health advice in place, we do need to manage this person's performance. I mean, that's going to be within their um, contractual hours of contractual workload for for a start which wasn't the case here um but it's not the case that an employer is simply unable to manage performance here it seems to me that they they've kind of done they've kind of done nothing here they haven't dealt with her uh complaints her concerns uh and also they they haven't proactively looked at what they could do to uh, support her um, yeah, I know yeah. they weren't ultimately talking about 
they weren't they weren't looking at performance managing her and she she resigned rather than be being dismissed but that, that sort of level of inaction in circumstances like this is never going to be looked on favorably um, by a, mm-hmm. by a tribunal coupled with obviously offensive comments by by the line manager which demonstrate a dismissive attitude of, of her um, concerns it's not until she raises the grievance in january of the following year that they that they even um go ahead and arrange occupational health i think it all seems to have been uh, almost dismissed and laughed off especially if they're using comments like mother's a box of frogs yeah yeah and they there was um reference in the judgment as well to like a a culture of 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 long working hours and that was that was just accepted and that, and that was normal so it's you know very much like what you said Jane it was just you know well this is how we do things everyone does it so it's not any different sort of thing but obviously they're not that's not taken into account specific circumstances and like you said as well of, of what's going on at home and in the background that needs to be you know if there's if if at all you know adjustments are needed etc so what's the one big lesson Dave do you have a particular lesson in mind, Jane, that you'd like to share? No, no, I thought we'd uh, we'd have some Dave wisdom today. <laughs> uh, I, I would say probably just be aware of issues that your your employees are having and proactively manage those and look to put support uh, in place. I mean, there's no suggestion here. I think this person was underperforming. Um, was there? It was in response to her concerns about not being able to manage her workload within her, her contractual hours. But yeah, that that would be, I think I, I don't know. I think pretty much said. Yeah, said, don't uh, ignore it. Yeah. Do you guys have, have anything to add to that? No, I think you've covered it all, all Dave. Yeah, I think be aware and and make make adjustments. Don't just accept something as a culture. Like make sure you you take in every situation on its facts. So, guys, do you think this podcast has been better or worse without Simon? Oh God, hands down, better. Actually, uh, who is Simon? <laughs> <laughs> Imogen, would you echo those those thoughts? Yeah, completely, Jade. So much better. Yeah, it was. I mean, I generally prefer it when he's not around. So I hope he doesn't hear this. By the way, um, yeah, I, I don't think he's the this. listener that we've got. So I think we're pretty safe. Yeah, Sam, if Sam edits this, he'll, he definitely needs to edit this bit out. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we say goodbye then? I think so. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.